This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the Cousins, Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast for all podcast updates and more. Lots of great topics tonight. We will offer our thoughts on how we would want the offensive depth chart to look like in 2020. Not necessarily how we think it will look like, but uh, just our thoughts, what we want to see. We'll also debate if it's time for salary caps for coaching staffs in college football. But first, we need to talk about special teams at Nebraska. There was a lot of speculation that Sean Snyder of Kansas State would be joining the Husker staff as a special teams analyst. Instead, he joined the USC staff as special teams coordinator. Now, we know how awful the special teams play was at Nebraska last year, and there hasn't been a coach designated as special teams coordinator yet. Derek, are you concerned about special teams at all headed into next year? Well, absolutely. Of course, there's always a little concern after as bad as special teams were last year. Uh, I, I do think that just keeping a kicker healthy maybe helps a little bit. Uh, but but there's a lot more to the special teams that, that we struggled with. And it would be nice to know that somebody's in control of it. And I, I, You know, last year I'll chalk it up to a little bit of what a mess. You had Jovan DeWitt only coaching half the year with being out on cancer and other coaches had to step up and try and take over and help out. And I'm assuming when he came back, he kind of took back over special teams. And so it was a bit of a dumpster fire from the get go. And I don't know, I'm hoping more, that's more of a fluke than what's, what's going to come. But Sean Snyder would have been a really nice pickup, but you can't blame the guy for taking a job as an offensive or a, a actual coordinator, as opposed to just an analyst. Tyler, are you concerned about special teams without a coach next year? Yeah, yeah, I'm concerned. You know, if I was rating my concern level on a scale of one to five, I'm probably like a two point eight. Like, I'm not really mid concerned, but there's a little fear, and I think it's from what Derek was pointing out that last year, obviously, our special teams unit wasn't the greatest. Um, Was that coaching? Was that scheme? You know, the lack of plans that are known but i will tell you that i i don't think getting that fixed is that hard and and i think that we can find coaches on this staff to help with that i don't think we need to bring in a guy like coach snyder while he has proven himself to be a pretty nice coach um i don't think we need a name like that to necessarily have adequate special teams um i think we could figure it out with grad assistants and the coaches that are on the roster but don't you think that maybe last year with uh, Jovan DeWitt not uh, fully healthy and you know taking time off, that maybe somebody would have stepped up to make the special teams look better last year? I mean, they did a piss-poor job at filling in uh, with J- Jovan DeWitt out, but, right? But I think there's something different about having something being in your court. So you're right. If Frost goes into the year, which I don't see a scenario where he does this, and says, we're going to coach special teams by committee. You know, everyone's going to have a hand in it. If he says that, I might be a lot more concerned. Too many chefs in one kitchen is, is not a good idea. But I think he will designate somebody to kind of oversee the special teams process. 
I think that we have capable coaches on the staff that can develop that. And, and again, I, I'm not underplaying the value that Coach Snyder would have brought to Nebraska, but I, I think we could be okay. I think we could see special teams improve um, just because I think we have better talent and, you know, in theory, going to have a healthy kicker. You know, it, it's kind of weird. Uh, you know, we had two openings for, for on the coaching staff over the offseason, uh, and, you know, Lubick was hired and Dawson was brought back, and neither one was designated as special teams coordinator. And everyone's like, you know, you, know, you saw it from the media – it's like, okay, well, Sean Snyder's going to be coming in to save the day as an analyst, you know, and he is solid, you know, solid background at Kansas State, and that ship has sailed. So it almost makes it seem like, well, you know, Frost maybe missed his opportunity here, maybe mismanaged the staff a little bit, not bringing in a guy that knows special teams. Now it seems like we're just kind of winging it. And it'll hopefully it all works out, but, man... After last year, I don't know how you can just be so complacent and just kind of go through the motions, just wing it like, okay, we'll, we'll just get there. I mean, the special teams was so piss poor last year. It's 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 crazy to me. Derek? Well, I, again, I think if you get a kicker, uh, not just for kickoff or for, for kicking field goals, but, I mean, look, kickoffs were atrocious because we, we didn't have a kicker to kick it to the damn end zone. Yeah. So – if you can get a kicker and can get some damn touchbacks, right there you start solving some of your your return problems. Uh, the, the biggest problem I have with the special teams right now, really, is the returns on our side. Like we, since Demorne personnel, we have had nobody who can return a punt, nobody right. who can return a kickoff, and I, and really that was under Pelini. And so since Pelini's been gone, we haven't had. Good returns from anybody. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, that's something that I think needs to be fixed. And I don't. That's where I guess my one of my biggest concerns are. Because as far as finding a kicker goes, I mean, we got six kickers on the damn roster. One of them's bound to be able to hit damn end zone at some point. You would think, right? You'd think. It, couldn't find it last year though, could you? Well, I mean, it doesn't help when you have. Barrett Pickering, your supposedly go-to guy, hurt most of the year. But yeah, all right. Well, we'll let's see. let's move on. Let's talk about the offensive depth chart. We're about a month a month away from uh, the beginning of spring ball, so plenty of time for players to step up, uh, climb the ladder, and the depth chart. But if you were in charge, what would your offensive depth chart look like? So let's uh, go ahead and take a look at the quarterbacks. Let's name three positions or. Let's go three deep at the quarterback level. We'll start with you, Derek. All right. My, mine's really no big surprise here. I have Adrian Martinez. I don't think he can pull the reins off this guy. I know he had a part of a bad, a pretty bad year last year, but I think he also takes a lot more blame than he deserves for that offense last year. I think there's a lot of blame to go around in a lot of other areas. Uh, I got McCaffrey number two. I have him jumping Vedro a little bit. Guys, that guy is something special, and I think they're going to find packages to get both them, both, both those two quarterbacks on the field. And then I got Vedral number three. Tyler, your quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Derek on number one, Adrian Martinez. Um, you know, I like you know, I, everything Derek said I will reiterate. I think he took too much blame. I think he still has the potential to be an All-American type guy. I'm high on him. I'm going to go Noah Vedral number two. 
I thought he was pretty impressive in the action you saw last year. And third, I have Luke McCaffrey. Um, you know, I don't know if we'll get into this, but I, I also see, you know, while I have him third in the depth chart, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get more snaps in quarterbacks. I think you can arrange a couple unique packages for him. But I think if, you know, Adrian went down with an injury, I think you would see Noah Vedral really take over the reins. All right, here's my top three. Uh, again, this is what how I would put the depth chart, not what I think is actually going to happen. But my number one is going to be Luke McCaffrey. I think he has the most upside of all the quarterbacks on the roster at this point, with the exception of maybe Logan Smothers, but that guy's just coming in. Number two, I have Noah Vedral. Uh, he's consistent, and he knows the offense the best. The offense seems to run smoothly under him. And number three, I have Adrian Martinez. After last year, he was just completely inconsistent, made too many mental mistakes. He had his shot last year, so I would move on from him if it was up to me. Uh, running backs. What are your top three running backs, Derek? Uh, I have Diedrich Mills, number one. And I don't know that there's a lot of argument to be made other than him. Uh, I, behind him, I got Ramirez Johnson. I, I he I didn't play a lot last year. He played in his four games. Uh, he, I thought eight against Maryland, he looked not overly impressive, but I thought there was you could see a lot of potential with him. And then I think they have to go with uh, for number three. I think they have to go with a new guy, and I went with Sevian Morrison, who uh, I think has a lot of upside. He's a fairly big back, pretty quick. Uh, so I, I got Severian Morrison in there for number three. Tyler? Yeah, uh, I'm going to go Mills number one. I'm going to put Wandell Robinson number two. And I'll talk a little bit more of this in a second, but I think Wandell Robinson long term is a running back. Um, you know, I've heard Duck R running back. He's definitely going to catch the ball, um, but I like Wandell Robinson too. And number three, I got Ramir Johnson. Um, you know, I do like Morrison. That's a good pick, Derek. I mean, I don't know if you guys are aware, but he is the all-time leading rusher at, in Oklahoma right now. Um, you know, I, I think the guy is obviously a stud. Um, I think he will be a factor at some point. Um, I just think right now you probably doesn't crack my three deep. All right, for running back for me. Now, I did not include Wandale Robinson, as you'll see. I, I, I left him with the wide receivers because that's where I think he'll play. But uh, number one, Diedrich Mills. Uh, he was our number one guy last year at running back. He's gonna uh, he kind of gained steam towards the later part of the year. And uh, number two, I got Sevian Morrison. He was the highest rated four star of the bunch that we have at r running back outside of Wandale. Number three, I have Ramir Johnson. Uh, he had a little bit of experience last year. He didn't wow by no means, but he he got in there. Uh, did you guys have Brody Belt anywhere close into consideration for your top three? I didn't even realize he was still on the roster. <laughs> no, oh, I, you know, I did, uh, Justin. I, I thought about him. You know, he was a guy. You know, when I, when I was looking at the running back, obviously after Mills was an automatic starter, I don't think there was any debate. I think there was a lot of debate what this running back core after that looks. Um Obviously, I think Robinson is going to play a lot of running back. He's going to take a lot of carries. But, but 
you know, if you take him out, you have Ramir Johnson, Ronald Tompkins. I, I do have Belt in that conversation, and then the two incoming freshmen. I think there's a handful of guys that you could see being that third or fourth guy, um, in my opinion, that could play. So, yeah, I definitely considered him. Uh, but, then again, I just think Ramir Johnson, the little activity he got last year, I thought he looked explosive. Um, I, th- I, I feel a little bit more comfortable at this point, and that, that is one that, Come fall, I definitely might be off of Ramir by then. Um, but yeah, I did think about him. How close were you to have him in your top three, Justin? I, I you know, I put him like right next to Ramir Johnson. Actually, uh, I was kind of went back and forth between those two guys. Uh, again, it's just like R- Ramir Johnson. He he didn't wow in his opportunities last year. Uh, Brody Belt. He, I think he was kind of a surprise. I think nobody expected him to get as much playing time as uh, what he really did overall. Played in a bunch of games on special teams. and uh, But, no, it's uh, we'll see how that one goes. He was a hell of a high school recruit there in Nebraska. Go ahead, Derek. I, I th- the, the one thing I think with, with running back is that's the one position that a true freshman can come in and make a difference. It's one of the few positions on a football field where a freshman really can make a difference. You see it all over college football. Sure. Uh, and, and so I, if, if these, uh, especially like you get uh, Sevian Morrison, who was a four-star recruit, uh, there, there's no reason this guy can't come in. I mean, you guys remember Maurice Washington didn't show up till like, what, a day before practice started? Yeah. And I ended up getting a lot of playing time in his freshman year. I had Sevian Morrison number two, Derek. No, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying that don't, don't count. I mean, even uh, – Marvin Scott. Marvin Scott. Mm-hmm. I, I think he could probably come in and do something. And, play, and, and uh, Tyler, you brought up Ronald Tompkins. Uh, if, if his knees are healthy, I think he's a great running back. But I'm still concerned about those knees. I mean, three, three knee surgeries in a matter of, what, three or four years? It's a lot for any anybody to go through at, at any age. I don't care how fast you think you can recover. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Derek. I mean, that that is the big question mark with him. I will say I would have been more inclined to put one of those two guys – um, a little bit higher, the incoming freshmen, if they were early enrollees. But the fact that they're not getting there, and and, and more kudos to what I think Ramir Johnson can be, um, is kind of what kept those guys from cracking my 3D. All right, moving on to wide receiver. Uh, Derek, what are your top three wide receivers? Now, on this, we'll do our uh, first string, and then we'll go with the second string. All right, again, I have two guys. I don't think there's any way you can argue with J.D. Spielman. And I have Wondell Robinson starting because why wouldn't you? Uh, I, I have Omar Manning coming in and making a big role right away. I, I know he's still got to get on campus too, but, I mean, he's a JUCO guy, so he knows how to play. He's a, he's sounds like he's a difference maker. He's going to be a, a big, tall receiver for, for a quarter, whoever the quarterback may be, to, uh, a good outlet for them to get to. Uh, I don't know. I think Omar Manning's going to be starting. Tyler, who are your top three wide receivers? I, I'm going to go, uh, you know, J.D. Spielman, and I got Wondell Robinson right now in my number one. You know, I do know I have him listed at two different positions, but I think he is the most explosive athlete. I think he's probably outside of quarterback going to lead this team in snaps. I think he's going to be all over the field and play in multiple positions. And I'm going to go Cade Warner as my third guy. 
I, everything you said about Omar Manning, I agree with Derek. I think on top of that, he is a great blocker, which is something that this team really needs. Um, but I'm going to go Cade Warner for two reasons. One, I'm a little bit more sure he's going to be there. So if I, if I was a betting man, I'm, I'm sure he's going to be there. And when Cade Warner has gotten his opportunities, he's done nothing but impress me. And, and, and that goes from his freshman campaign to last year and his limited action. I like Cade Warner. Um, injuries derailed him last year. I think he knows this offense. There's a comfortable factor with him and Adrian Martinez. I, I like Cade Warner edging out Omar Manny for my other starter. Yeah, my top three look just like yours, Tyler. Identical. J.D. Spielman, Wandale Robinson, and Cade Warner. Uh, I just like those three. I'm comfortable with those three. I like the uh, output that uh, they give, really. uh, There's a lot of trust in those three. So I want to see those guys start just because of the trust factor. There's, uh, We're not as... There's not a lot of experience at wide receiver on this team yet. So I'm, I'm sticking with experience here. All right, Derek, who are your backup wide receivers? Well, and let me, let me make it clear that I'm not trying to crap on Cade Warner. I think he will get a ton of playing time too. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would have him as like my or if I could have that. But I do have Cade Warner as my, my second string. Along with uh, Jamie Nance and Chris Hickman, I I think Hickman's going to stay out at wide receiver right now. Uh, he's another big body wide receiver. Uh, the, the only reason I put Cade Warner behind Omar Manning really is the athleticism. I mean, I think Manning's a little faster and he's a, he's a little more apt to make a explosive play for you. Okay. Tyler, who are your three backup well, I kind of receivers? already alluded. Omar Manning is definitely there. I'm with Derek. I might have had an or there. His athletic ability is great. His leaping ability, his size, mentions blocking. I'm going to go Darian Chase in limited action last year. I was pretty impressed with how he perimeter blocked. He is athletic. Um, he knows the system has another year. And, again, this is my depth chart. And, again, kind of going off that, I'm going to put Luke McCaffrey there. And, I, you know, I nice. I know we brought in a lot of great wide receivers, but outside of Wandell Robinson, I think Luke McCaffrey, for what I've seen, is the second best athlete on this team. I really think I would love to see Scott Frost use Luke McCaffrey like the Saints used Taysom Hill. Like, I want to see him at quarterback. I want to see him at wide receiver. I want to see Luke McCaffrey in the game because I think he is a difference maker. Um, he may not be poised at quarterback all the way, so you got to get him on the field some snaps. But I'm going to go Luke McCaffrey as my other uh, two deep wide receiver. I can get behind that. Uh, although this is who I had for my backup wide receivers. Omar Manning. I had Darian Chase because he's the only other wide receiver on the roster with a carry or with a catch outside of Javion McQuitty. And then for my uh, final guy, I have Alante Brown. He's uh, an early enrollee, and I think with uh, being here in the spring, I think that's going to give him just that much edge to crack the two deep here. Uh, but I love your Luke McCaffrey uh, pick. Derek, who were your backup three again? You had Jamie Nance in there, and who? I have Jamie Nance, Chris Hickman, and Cade Warner. I will tell you, you are like the highest person I know on Jamie Jamie Nance like 
I, I will tell you, I, I looked at this thing, and I, I mean, if I was doing, if we did a three deep, I don't think I would have had Nance in my three deep. You are, what, what, why really? are you so high on him? Are you, is it still just a high school? Is it? He's a redshirt freshman. God, you guys act like he's just some bum that never panned out. He's a redshirt he freshman. They, 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 you know, they raved on him last year, all spring, and then they got into fall. They still raved on him. We didn't see him play much during the fall, but we didn't see any wide receivers play a whole lot. So I don't understand why you guys don't think he can improve a little bit more and maybe maybe get some playing time. Well, for me, he was third last year at wide receiver. The guys we brought in. Or fourth, if you count Wandell as a wide receiver, but I, I I like Houston better than him. And then again, we have Betts and uh, yeah. Flamingo. I mean, you, you you can make an argument for Darian Chase. I I could replace him with Darian Chase. I think they're kind of either or to me. But I mean, I, so, I think Dar- I, I think Dar- I think Jamie Nance has a chance to play. I mean, I, I'll say. I also if if I had to go with three deep, I do have Xavier Betts in my next, and I do think he'll get some playing time. Yeah, I, I had Xavier Betts. He, he was my number seven guy. But as far as Darian Chase over Nance, I mean, Darian Chase, the coaching staff felt good enough to put uh, Chase in four games last year. Uh, I, I don't know how many games Nance got in. But, he got uh, in three or four, it, I think. It, the, the one thing is it's hard to tell if these guys who didn't play, was it injuries? What is it? We, we learned so little about last year. And I'm sure, sure. you'll hear – Oh, so and so was banged up last year, and you'll hear that rhetoric in the off season about probably a lot of guys. Um, I, I again, I, I just you know, Jamie, Nance, you're right, Derek. If Jamie Nance is in our two deep, I, I'm not gonna, you know, sh- so, have a stroke. So but. you know, you're you're giving me such a hard time over Jamie Nance, but neither one of you are talking about Chris Hickman. Do you guys not think that he could stay at wide receiver, or do you guys have no, him going tight end? I, I well, I have him at tight end. I think last year they moved him to wide receiver just because depth was so piss poor there. I think that was just an experiment. I think he's, I think he's better suited at tight end. Uh, but yeah, man, six six two fifteen. I'd love to see that guy stay at wide receiver. I just, I just think with the incoming talent, I don't think there's a need for him to be out there at wide receiver at this point. I, I don't know if he's as fast as the other guys coming in. Yeah, sure, he's big body, but I think tight ends is where he needs to be. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I, Chris Hickman was an interesting name when I was looking at this. You know, do I put him in tight end? Do I put him at wide receiver? Ultimately, I do think he's going to end up at tight end. Um I don't think that is an asinine take, though. He stays at wide receiver and contributes. I could see that. Um, I think with Chris Hickman, the really big question is, when you look at this incoming freshman class, the two biggest question marks as far as academics is Omar Manning and Xavier Betts. If something were to happen and those two guys don't make it to campus, Derek, I'm right there with you. I think you've got to keep Chris Hickman at uh, wide receiver because we need a big body out there. I just think if those two guys get there, which I'm presuming right now, um, yeah, I, I just I think that he probably needs to move back inside the tight end. If we were to go three deep, would McQuitty be in your three deep? No, Derek. No, I I struggle with this because at one point I kind of wanted to put him in in my two deep, but I've just put too much stock into him too many other years, and we don't see him. So there's there's a reason we're not seeing him, and I don't know what it is, but yeah, we just don't see him. So I, I I didn't want to waste a spot on a guy that we never see, right? 
It's just kind of feel good story, I guess. All right, let's talk about tight end here, Derek. Who are your three tight ends? Uh, I have Jack Stoll starting, but I kind of have an or in there again. But with the, with Travis Volkolek, I mean, I keep hearing so much about this kid. I mean, they're talking about this kid being NFL potential, supposed to be really good athletically. Uh, I don't know much. Of, I I didn't watch him play at Rutgers. I don't know a lot about him from Rutgers, but everything I'm hearing from him from the media, I guess, it sounds like this guy is the real deal. So I I think he will steal some spots, and I think he will jump Austin Allen, and Austin Allen will be number three. Okay. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, um, I not much different than Derek. Um, you know, Jack Stoll is my number one. Um I, I, I'm going to go with Trav, uh, Austin Allen at my number two and then Travis uh, Vokalek at my number three. Kurt Raffel is close. I, I just I don't want to give up on Kurt Raffel. I, I still think that body size can translate. But right now, I, I'm, I'm just wondering if his position has been overtaken. So I, I just would flip your two and three. So, yeah, pretty close right there with you. I think all three of those guys will play this year. All right, I have Jack Stoll, number one, Austin Allen, two. And my number three guy is Chris Hickman. Uh, that's that's where I'm plugging him in. Tyler, you did not have Chris Hickman in your top four for tight end. No. What the hell? I I, I think he's he's riding pine this year. I, I Really? I all just right. think I, I think we're, to me that's all the more reason to keep him out at wide receiver for the year. Well, I just I think that I the the the, the he is young. Chris Hickman is young. I think Chris Hickman is not going to be a contributor. You might see him on special teams. You might see him out there in that capacity. I just think with what we brought in at wide receiver, the depth there, and the guys that are juniors and seniors at tight end, I just have a hard time you know, visioning him really having a role in the offense this year. Okay. All right, well, let's move on to offensive line. Now, this was uh, very tough for me to uh, project, especially in the second string. Uh, but, Derek, let, let's start with you. Start from left tackle and go all the way to the right to right tackle. Your starting lineup goes. All right, it really doesn't change a lot from last year because I don't think you want to mess with what – was gelling when you get all five returning guys that started last year i think you kind of want to stick with that i did replace one guy uh i got brendan hymas uh then i got bo wilson playing guard i got cam jurgens at center still and i put brock bando in at guard over hickson and then i i left farniak at tackle i know everybody's talking about farniak moving over to guard and maybe ben hart start i just Redshirt freshman, I think it's still a little young for him. And I think Farniak is just, maybe he is better suited for guard, but I think it's a little late to be moving him around. I think he needs to stick where he's at and do what he's been doing. Tyler? Yeah, uh, Derek, that's a compelling argument. Um, You know, about Farniak, I, I do think there is something to be said about offensive line. If you have the opportunity to return all five starters, I think that's intriguing. Guys, I know everyone's going to be looking at quarterback this spring. I mean, to me, offensive line is so intriguing because there's a lot of possibilities here. But just kind of go through my first string, uh, Brandon Hymas at left tackle. I do have Farniak moving into guard. I actually have him at uh, left guard. I think the combination of those two could be a really dynamic uh, run blocking 
Cam Jurgens came on at center, Bo Wilson at right guard, and then I'm gonna go Bryce Benhart at uh, my right tackle. I do think I like that move. I I, I do think he's a grown ass man. Um, yeah, I, I like him taking over the other starting spot. Mine is very similar to yours, Tyler. I did not copy off your paper. I promise. Left tackle, I have Brendan Hymas. Left guard, I have Bo Wilson there. I left him there. Centered, Cam Jurgens. I moved Matt Farniok into right guard. Uh, just moved him there inside. And I have Bryce Benhart. That dude is a beast. I mean, since it's my lineup, that guy is so freaking big. If Brendan Hymas can start at tackle as a freshman, there's no doubt in my mind that a guy of Bryce Benhart's pedigree and character and just size that he can slide right in there also. Uh, that's what fans want to see, I think. And since it's my depth chart, I'm giving it to him. Tyler, what were you going to say? Well, I, I just want to add, you know, everyone's really quick to get Trent Hickson out of the starting lineup, and, and I could see that, and I did that too. But I'll tell you, it was a very compelling argument between him and Bo Wilson. Bo Wilson did not impress me last year. I, I'll be honest. It, I would not be shocked to see Bo Wilson also not make starter. Um, and there's a lot of names, and we'll get there in a second. But Bo Wilson is definitely not a starter. In my opinion, Farniak, Jurgens, and Hymas are the three locks that would be starting at offensive linemen. Those other two spots, whatever way they play out, that's up for grabs, and that's really compelling to me. All right, Derek, who are your backup linemen? Uh, this was a little bit of a crapshoot for me, I guess. I don't know. I I kind of went a little, a little uh, off the out left field here, but I put Brant Banks starting out or backing up uh, Hymas at left tackle. Wow, the dude's six seven, three hundred pounds. Redshirt freshman's had a year to learn the offensive line side. I I think he could be a big dude. I, I he could be good. Uh, I have Hickson backing up Bo Wilson. I have Will Farniak backing up uh, Jurgens. I have Ethan Piper back as my other guard. Uh, I've heard you, you heard a lot about him last year about how well he transitioned over to the offensive line. So I, I think he could probably crack the two deep. And then of course I got Ben Hart as my backup to Farniak. Who I mean, hey, look if you guys are right and he's ready to go, then I'm all for the move. I just don't know if I see that happening yet. I mean, and Justin, you make the argument about him being a, a guy that could be ready right away because Hymas did it as a true freshman. Well, Hymas did it as a true freshman, and yet you don't have Corcoran in there who was almost a five-star. No. Do you think he could beat somebody out, or does he crack your two deep even? We will find out when we get there. Tyler, who are your backups? Um, at left tackle, I'm going to go Christian Gaylord. Um, he is coming back. Um, you know, he was in the deep last year. I think the size of him has a compelling argument. Um, I'm going to go Trent Hickson. Will Farniak uh, after that, Brock Bando. And my last one, I'm going to go Michael Lynn at tackle. And, and he's a name that, you know, you've heard him at guard. I could see him playing guard. Um, you know, that's definitely a possibility. I, I want to circle back after Justin gives his, but... Um, a little bit more on my guard thing, but um, but yeah, I'm gonna have Michael Lynn actually playing tackle this year, and he's gonna be my backup to uh, Ben Hart. All right, here are my five backup offensive linemen at left tackle. I have Turner Corcoran, uh, 
you know, highly rated. Throw him to the fire. Get him out there. Left guard Brock Bando. Uh, I really thought about putting plugging him in the starting lineup somewhere. You know, uh, I think Tyler, you talked about uh, Brock Bando or Bo Wilson, right? Bo Wilson in general. But, okay, yeah. So he's a guy that uh, I think is very serviceable. Could be find his way in the starting lineup. Will Farniak, I think we're all in agreement there for the backup center. Uh, right guard, I have Trent Hicks in there. I'm I'm demoting him a little bit. I'm not kicking him to the curb. Uh, and then at right tackle, I'm going to go with Matt Sichterman. He's been, you know, they've been calling him a tackle for a long time. And then there's a little bit of talk that moving him to a guard. But uh, I'm comfortable in my lineup of having him at tackle. Tyler, what did you want to get back into? I, I want to get the guards because, you know, I had Farniak moving the guards, and I want to pretend for a second that that doesn't happen. Derek's right. If, if you went back into next year with Trent Hickson and Bo Wilson, both those guys could start. I could see that scenario. I could also see Brock Bando. But, like, I sat there and I looked at guards, that, and, and I went around this for a while. And, you know, I had Citroen playing that, Ethan Piper. You know, we just got the Colorado State uh, transfer. Nordine Noella and I actually think Turner Cochran might end up being a guard he played guard in the all-american game like I could see seven different people starting at guard this year and there is no position on the field offense or defense we're gonna get that that I could go that deep there are literally seven guys that could start at guard next year and I would not be shocked wow nice well, I'll, I'll tell you this I am excited for the future of this offensive line you, you give me an offensive line of Bryce Benhart, Turner Corcoran, and Cam Jurgens on it. Uh, you fill on the other two spots, but those are three guys I want on my offensive line in the, in the long run. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of size that we have in there in the younger ranks. There's big size. I mean, big boys. I mean, it's not like the offensive line that we've had uh, in years past. I mean, these guys are big. Do, do you guys see big friends? Do you guys see any scenario of Will Farniak maybe moving to guard? Or. Uh, I would be fine with that, because too. Because Camp Jerkins looks like uh, he's got that spot locked for a while. I mean, it, it, at some point in time, you got to play. Well, your, you still need a backup center. Well, but. He, fine. You, I mean, the guy has played center a long time. You could move him to guard, and, you know, if Cam Jerkins gets injured or doesn't get the job done, you can always move him back. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that move. I think that move makes more sense than moving a tackle over into guard. To move a center over to guard, I think it makes more sense than moving a tackle into guard. So, Derek, what I like, do you guys remember when they moved Zach Stirrup to guard? And, yeah. and And when they did that, I think it was Riley's staff that did that. I'm trying to remember. But whenever he moved to guard, I just remember thinking, that's where he should have been the whole time. Like, yeah. he just, he looked so much better there. You know, we look at Farniak's. His thing is pass protection. I don't think I have many complaints on Farniak and run blocking. But pass protection is where he struggles. And you put him on that island, that's where the trouble is. You move him in the guard, that's a less of a trouble. And But, again, this this is, you know, when we talk about depth chart, and we'll do this again after the spring, you know, we will have a lot more clear picture of what this offensive line is going to look like. Because every name we mention is going to be on the spring roster. And I think that's going to kind of clean itself up. And it's going to be pretty clean going in the fall ball. 
I want to go back to Zach Stirrup for a second here, just because he's a fellow St. Cecilia Blue Hawk. But he got a bad rap there at uh, at tackle there for a while. I mean, he was just, and it was it sucked that he was getting that bad rap because he was a fellow uh, St. Cecilia Blue Hawk. But when he went to guard, it was like holy shit that that changed his future. If he would have finished his college career at tackle, he would not have ever made the NFL in my mind. I think uh, that move to guard really shaped uh, shaped his career for him and to uh, make it in the NFL. So that was awesome. Uh, wow, we uh, went through that lineup pretty darn quick. Hey, you guys did not attack me at all for my quarterback picks, and I'm very, very shocked on that. Well, we kind of breezed over that. Uh, Derek, do you want to take this one? You're an idiot. Yeah, that's about <laughs> it. No, what? Hey, it's it's my lineup. I mean, that's who that's who I want to see. <laughs> I mean, I I went all last year critical of Adrian Martinez. So why would I put that guy as and my that's starting fair. quarterback? I, that's what I expected. I expected no less. I I just I love Luke McCaffrey. I again infamously said on this podcast and got mocked for it, and now Justin's taking it that Luke McCaffrey would take over the starting spot at quarterback. And now Justin is basically what he should always do is agree with me. Uh, and he'll, he'll come back around on Adrian Martinez in a few weeks, but guys, I, I Justin, I, I know I don't get what Husker fans saw so wrong with Adrian Martinez. I don't, he had a couple bad games. I, a disappointing sophomore effort. he, Again, if Adrian Martinez, I said this before, if he was the worst thing about this team last year, we would have won the 10 games I projected at the beginning of the year. Okay. I, I, I believe, I, I just, he wasn't as bad as people make it out to be. He, I mean, from statistics, I mean, we've gone over this at such length. I think he will rebound this offseason, um, recover from injury, a little banged up. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I, I'm still holding my stock in him. Never let I'll never let you go, Adrian. Well, I think I think the biggest thing he has going for him is he has an offensive line that's going to be a lot. Well, I'm hoping it's a lot better this year. You know, they finished off the year starting to play pretty damn well, and Adrian Martinez started playing better as as that time went on. Uh, so I think if the offensive line can help him, then he'll be fine. Now I will say this: I would put Adrian Martinez on a much shorter leash this year than I would have last year. Uh, if it looks like he's going to struggle again, I, I wouldn't be opposed to putting another quarterback in. I agree with that. I, I, I do. I think I he is, of all my starters outside of Mills, I think he is the most lock right now. But he is also the guy that come week three or four, Scott Frost in year three can't play you know, these games. And if, if Adrian isn't getting it done, I like, that's why I said, I like Noah Vedral to take over that spot. If that were to happen, I just, I, I just don't see it. Tyler, did you say that Adrian Martin outside of Diedrich Mills, that Adrian Martinez is the next lock? Yeah, I think, I mean, okay. JD Spielman. I, I, I don't, okay. I don't know where Wandell Robinson. I, Wandell Robinson is again, offensive line is the most intriguing thing this spring. What they do with Wandell Robinson is right there. Like I had him at two positions, and 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 again, that's kind of a cop out. I get that, but I just I think he's a better running back than wide receiver. I just have a hard time believing someone's going to take that spot from him week one. 
And I think I, I don't know how you could rank them, but I have like eight locks on this on this offense right now. That there's no way these guys are getting unseated. I personally believe Martinez is one of them. I know Justin doesn't like that. Mills is one of them. JD Spielman, Wondell Robinson, Jack Stoll, uh, Brendan Hymas, Jurgens, and Farniak. All 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 eight of those guys. Nobody's going to unseat any of those guys. I I just I can't see that. I, I guess where I would. I, I don't know if Stoll I would put is a lock as you. I think there's a lot of talent at that tight end group. Heim is okay. I might go with you there. Cam Jurgens. I, I I don't. I think I have Adrian as a higher lock than Cam Jurgens and Farniak. He'll start. I'm not convinced to where he'll start. So yeah, but he's got but he's got a lock on the starting. That's spot. fair. I mean that's fair. I mean I think again. We're, we're speaking the same language here. Whether you move him to guard or tackle, he's got a, he's locked down a spot. Yes, he, like they're not going to bench no, him. No, you're not. You're right. Um, I do think Jack Stoll though. I think tight end is a position though. I I don't know what that tight end group looks like. I I think I think his starting spot is a lock. Now whether he stays a starter or whether he he's too much of a, a big piece of this transition. To, I think to bench him over anybody. Yeah, I, you might be right. I think Jack, I again. I'm gonna when we do this. I'm I am penciling in Jack Stoll to be a leader on this team. I think I I'm high on him. I was high on him last year. I was high on him the year before. Like I just Jack Stoll is the guy that like you 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 keep waiting for him to hit and he just doesn't hit. And you know at some point in time you just wonder if he's capable of doing that. Again, right now I'm again holding my. But is stock. it his fault? Is it his fault or is it the play calling? I mean, it, it, you could look at both of that. I mean, I think the play calling last year and the way that our offense was used entirely was suspect. Yeah, but I mean, I, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, the production out of the tight ends last year was it was junk. So, but is that is that Austin Allen and Jack Stoles? Is that their fault that the production was junk, or is it you know the play calling? I'm I'm not. Willing to say that Jack Stoll, you know, is you know that his starting position is like in jeopardy because he still was he was still our best tight end overall. Whether or not we used him effectively, which we did not, we can agree there. But I, again, I he's think, a lock. I it, I just think there's a lot of talent at tight end. I guess that's I again. I look at this team and this. I, offense, I don't. I don't think there's that as much talent as what you think there, Tyler. I I, you, I, I, mean, I like Austin Allen. I like uh, Austin Allen's fine, but he, there there's a clear difference between Jack Stool and Austin Allen to me. I mean, there's there's a big separation there. But, but it's not a one A one B. It's a one and two. But you have Bokalek, who is scout team um, MVP, and take that for what it's worth. You have Kurt Raftall, uh Hickman. Kurt Raftall was not impressive. He he was on a milk carton last year. A lot of players were on a milk carton last year. Yeah, but I mean, but still at that tight end group, I mean, we had Jack Stoll and Austin Allen. That was it. That was it. Kurt Raftall did not contribute last year what, what, to any meaningful stats. I, my 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 tab my my tablet just died, so I don't have uh, Jack Stoll's stats in front of me anymore. But what what in his career does he have five hundred yards receiving? He he might have five hundred total. I mean, like, I think last. Hang on here. I think last year he had like two thirty-two receiving. I mean, uh, I I know it's not impressive, but I, that's my thing. For, it's like I again, 
I'm I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I do think Jack Stoll is going to have a good year. I'm just saying you you talk about Adrian Martinez, you talk about his production, you talk about that at such length, Justin. Like, why does he not? Why does why is Adrian Martinez the only one's production that gets put up on blast? All right, so so I got Jack Storrett right here. He was our third leading receiver last year with 234 yards. Right, and the year before, he had similar production. Yeah. I, again, I, I go back to that. Adrian Martinez gets puts on blast over and over again. And some of it, I, I don't, most of it, I don't think is fair, but no one else's production gets put on blast like his. Jack Stoll, we have, again, you know what? I guarantee he's going to be on the tight end watch list for the third straight year at Nebraska. Wait, sure. I mean, he's going to be. I mean, and again, I think he's going to have a good year. I do, but, like, I'm not sitting here saying, like, like, if you're going to criticize Adrian Martinez's production, then there's other players that you could say, yeah, they haven't proven themselves, and Jack Stoll is one of them at this point. That's fair. He's a prospect, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. Which redshirt freshman do you see burning a redshirt this year? We'll start with you, Derek. Uh, I, I could see Xavier Betts maybe burning his redshirt. Uh, I put Omar Manning in there. I'm not sure if he's eligible for redshirt year or not. But if he is, I would put him in there. And then Sevian Morrison. That was about it. I, and there's not a lot on offense that we brought in that I think are going to burn redshirts. Tyler? The, the the number one guy to me is Marcus Fleming. And, and I didn't have him make my two deep. Um, he probably was seven or eight in wide receiver. But where I see Marcus Fleming for sure burning his redshirt is on special teams. Like, I think if you look at what the guy did in high school, he is the most likely to be a returner. And we talked about the position there. And again, what my vision is for Wandell Robinson is – he is going to be a running back going into his junior year. And he is going to find his spot there. I might be wrong. We'll find out. But I think he's going to move to that duck guard running back and be really that spot. And you're going to see a lot more of the wide receivers around him. And, and again, I don't think we start the year that way. We may not be there entirely till towards the end of the year. But I think Marcus Fleming is most likely. Number two, I have Turner Cochran. Uh or Corcoran, how do you think that? Um, I, I burning a red shirt for real? I, I again, I, I don't think there's a lot of guys I have as high candidates, but he's my number two most likely. And the reason is, is there is a scenario that I could see him starting at guard this year. Okay, I, I, I not likely. Again, I only think there's one guy that's doing it, and that's Fleming. But if I had to pick a second guy, that's who I'm going with. All right, I have two guys here that on offense that I can see burning a red shirt: Sevian Morrison and Alante Brown. Again, Alante Brown, he's coming in as an early enrollee. He's going to learn that offense. He's going to have an edge up on all the other incoming wide receivers. Uh, so why not him? Uh, he's pretty darn talented wide receiver. So uh, those are my only two. Can I ask you guys a question? So, so you had one wide receiver. Derek had one wide receiver. I had one wide receiver. We all had different wide receivers. Like, we raved about this wide receiver recruiting class. Like, yeah. And, and, and 
for the record, I'm still a believer in it. But the fact that we're all only putting one true freshman as a uh, as a contributor, or does that make you worry a little bit about this wide receiver class? Or not really. Not considering we all named three different guys, so maybe all three of them are going to end up burning a red shirt. I don't know. But I can uh, see that scenario. You know, look, at the end of the day, the fact that we have three different true freshman wide receivers that we can see getting like predominant playing time is great. Hey, like that's a good problem to have, right? One of us is bound to be right, okay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, and if we're no. all if we're all right, then it'll be even better, you know? If we're all right, the hype going into the next season is going to be unreal. If if we get to this year, I, I just thought about this. I don't think it's going to happen. But if this year we end up playing all these freshman wide receivers that we brought in, like we're going to be sitting there because I, I think we're going to have an answer at quarterback at the end of this year. If, if it's not Adrian Martinez, we're going to be hyping up Luke McCaffrey after that. You know, or no. I hope, I hope it's after spring. I hope we know by spring. About quarterback or? Yeah, quarterback. Yeah. Well, I think we will. I think it'll be Adrian Martin. I think it's going to be a dead contest after the spring. But wide receiver, we're not going to know till fall. Sure, sure. Because that that's still going to be so much on the line. But I'm just saying, if this season goes and we end up playing a lot of these freshmen at wide receiver, like, can you imagine? And, and this offensive line that's coming up underneath them, can you imagine the hype on this offense going into 2021 season? Yeah. Can't wait. Oh my god, I'm already we're already moving past this season in my eyes. Moving to 2021. <laughs> well, with the schedule we may want to. Hey, uh, let's take a quick break to hear from another great podcast from the bigheadsmedia.com network. Are you looking for a podcast that dissects and discusses the best team in the National Football League? My name is Brendan Chagru, host of the 46 podcast, a podcast that covers the charter franchise in the NFL, the Chicago Bears. Join me after every game as I share my thoughts about the Bears, win or lose, and preview the next game with guest interviews, analysis, and my own personal joy or rage, depending on what happens with the team. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more, or check us out on the Big Heads Media Network. All right, guys, let's talk about some coaches' salaries. Uh, Coaching salaries are skyrocketing college football now. Head coaches and staff, uh, assistant coaches, you know, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, Jim Harbaugh, and Jimbo Fisher, they make over $7.5 million a year as head coaches. Uh, over half of the head coaches in FBS make less than $2.3 million a year, though. Clemson and Alabama, they pay their assistants around $7.5 million a year. Ohio State and Texas A&M, they pay their staffs over $7 million a year. Uh, but... Top 30 schools pay over $4 million a year for their assistance. The lowest of Power 5 schools is Arizona. They pay their assistance $2.99 million a year. Uh, so with all this money that they're paying these coaches, you know, you got coordinators. Like I think you have like 21 coordinators making over a million dollars a year. In an effort to level the playing field, should there be a salary cap for coaching staffs in FBS schools? Derek? Uh, you know, I'm really starting to lean towards yes. This is getting completely out of hand. Uh, 
I, I was surprised to see that the top two coordinators to get paid are former Nebraska play, uh, coaches. Kevin Steele's the highest paid coordinator out there, making two and a half million dollars a year, and Bo Pelini is going to be making two point three million, and he surpassed Brent Venables, who's making two point two million. Uh, it's getting absurd, guys. There, there's no reason for these guys to leave. There's no incentive for these guys to leave. They have half the stress of a head coach, and they're getting paid more than more than some head coaches in group of five schools. Yep. So why would you leave to go coach at a group of five school and make the same amount of money or less than what you're making as a coordinator? And, and schools that can afford this are going to continue to do this so they can keep these guys around. And, and you have the best of the best all the time. I, I – it doesn't make good for parity in college football. Uh, you know, I was uh, Justin. You were talking about twenty-one guys making over a million dollars. You realize there's over forty-five coaches making more than Eric Shenander, our top-paid assistant. Forty-five coaches making more than him. Wow, that's a lot of coaches making more than him. Uh, you know, Arkansas, Missouri, and Mississippi State all just hired new coaches. They're allotted for their allotment for assistance are five million, five point two million, and four point seven million, which is around what Nebraska is doing too. Uh, but again, now you want to talk about the parity of college football? Group of five schools. Some of the top schools are Wyoming, Boise State, and Fresno State, and they're only allotted one point eight five million, two point one three million, and two million. Uh, at some point, you got to start doing something. The NCAA wants to sit here and they want to regulate everything except for what you're paying for coaches. Uh, you put so many rules and regulations on these kids, and even the schools to an extent, but then you're just letting them spend. I mean, look, you talked about you talk about Clemson making. They're paying eighteen million dollars a year, and. Head just in coaches for their football program, right? Like th- that's absurd. I I don't know. I but there's no money I, for the NCAA student athlete. That needs to step in and figure something out. Yeah, Tyler, what about you? What do you think? Should there be a salary cap for coaching staffs? You guys, I went back and forth on this all day. Um, I I I want to say yes. I think there needs to be. I agree with every point Derek made. It's getting out of hands. It's an arms race with these assistants and head coaches. Um, I just don't know how. Like, I don't know how you go about doing that at anything. And 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 since I can't figure out a way to do it, I'm inclined to say no. But what I will say is that some point in time, this, this has got to level off. I mean, every year... Like, it just goes up and up. Do you remember when we played Bob Diaco all that money? And everyone was like, oh, my God, million-dollar Bob. That's outrageous. I mean, again, there's so many coaches making over a million dollars at the assistant ranks now that it's unreal. Um, I I don't know if I agree with Derek that these coaches will never want to leave. Because I think the coaches that want to move up in the ranks are going to do it. But a guy like Bo Pelini... He he does not want to be head coach anymore. I can't imagine that he wants that. Like, if he does a good job at LSU, he is going to stay and make that two plus million a year at LSU, and I think he'll be damn happy doing so. 
Well, Kevin Steele's in the same boat. Like he tried the head coaching ranks and didn't didn't pan out for him. He's not going back to head coach. I mean, how old's Kevin Steele now? I mean, shit, he was an assistant coach for Nebraska in the nineties. I'm not sure how old he is, but at this point, defensive coordinator is what he wants to do. And Brent Venables has already turned down numerous jobs because he's making so much of Clemson. So I will say this about schools that uh, pay their assistants that have the large assistant coaching pools of money. Uh, You got Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State in the top four. Who do you see in the playoff teams? You You can always expect to see Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State as playoff teams. I mean, there is absolutely a need for uh, a salary cap for these schools. I think uh, even just because you can afford all of that stuff for the coaches does not mean that they should be able to keep all of the head or all of the coaching talent, I guess, you know, spread the wealth around. I'll say this just to play devil's advocate here, though. How many coordinators has Ohio State gone through in the last five years? How many coordinators has Alabama gone through in the last five years? Yeah. I mean, it's been a lot. They just go out and find somebody just as good or better and pay them more. Yeah, they, they, steal, they steal the best with ungodly money. I mean, if you had a salary cap, they would not be able to do that as effectively as what they're doing now. Schools like that, they just throw a boatload of money to get whatever, get whoever they want. Tyler, I, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the again, it is a haves and haves nots in college football, and yeah. the schools that have the money throw it around. But, and again, not to go down this road, but it is just really hard for the NCAA and these schools to justify not playing paying players when you're paying that kind of salary. Like, I don't right. know what a lot of people are proposing for college, you know, athletics to get paid, but I can imagine if you said it's a hundred grand, we're going to pay a hundred grand a player. Okay. I mean, if you paid a hundred grand a player on most schools, like Clemson plays twice as much for the assistant, the 10 assistants on the roster. Like it's just, it's hard to justify the argument on not paying players when these schools clearly have the money to do that. Right. But not all of them do. Not all of them do. I think that's the point. Uh, So I don't know how, I mean, especially when you start looking at the group of five schools, that's where, I mean, unless you're wanting to put the power five schools in a league of their own, and then let the group of five schools be in their league, a league of their own, or a division of their own, whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, these group of five schools cannot compete money-wise with these big schools. They no, just can't do they it. They can't. That, that's why Scott Frost went from making $2 million a year at Central Florida to $5 million a year at Nebraska. Central Florida couldn't afford to pay him $5 million a year. And they damn sure couldn't afford to put another $5 million a year on top of it to pay his assistance. I think they're paying their assistance like $2.2 million collectively at UCF. But anyway, guys, uh, we got to move on. We've kind of gone a little long. It's time for last call. No topics are off limits. Last call to you, Tyler. 
My last call goes to Mel Tucker, the now former head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, who just accepted a $5.4 million payday from Michigan State. It's kind of interesting because a couple months ago or weeks ago, he uh, days days ago, <laughs> I don't know, was it oh, was it a week? I don't know. He just tweeted. It was Saturday. He, he tweeted out. It was literally I ain't just going last nowhere. Saturday. And then they apparently Michigan State must have backed over a money truck because he changed everything again. Whenever people talk about transfers at schools, I think this is an advocate why that's necessary because coaches do this. But at the end of the day. I think this is a horrible hire by Michigan State. I don't understand it. If he was the best they could get for $5.4 million, I don't know what that says about college football. Derek. Well, you're absolutely right. He literally has a 5-7 and seven record as a head coach in college football. He has coached one year, went 5-7, and seven, and... His recruiting class, I mean, it ranked a little higher than Michigan State's did, but it would have been ninth in the Big Ten. Uh, Basically the same place that that, uh, Michigan State's would have ranked, did rank this year. Uh, Paying this guy over $5 million a year blows me away. This is nothing different to me than than, uh, Maryland paying Mike Loxley, who was like 3-30. and I... To me, if you're making over five million a year, you got to have some experience. You got to prove yourself a little bit, and he just hasn't done it. I, I don't understand this hire. I think there had to be somebody out there that was better than uh, Mel Tucker, but hopefully that just means Michigan State sucks because I hate Michigan State. Hey, look, it's February. This is the worst time to try to hire a coach. All the good coaches, available coaches, they've already been taken. They tried to get Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle said, F you. I'm not going there. There's going to be some sanctions there. It's not going to be a good scene there in Lance East Lansing. But I will say that for Michigan State, if they offered Mel Tucker and he said no, you know what? They probably did have to back up the truck just to get someone in there because he he is probably one of the better ones that were available I mean, I don't know who you would get at this point. I, I, I don't know who, who you go after at, in February. Everybody's go taken. Jim McElwain at Central Michigan. Maybe. I mean, I don't yeah, know. There had to have been somebody better. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hey, here, here, over under three years, this guy is at Michigan State. Over. I'm, I'm going pu- to push that. Three years, push? I think. I think he says three years. I think push at best. I I would probably root. I probably think the under on. Yeah, that. but but if they're if they're under sanctions, they lose scholarships and they're not eligible for bowls. If that does come to fruition, why would you penalize the coach for the situation? I don't know. That that that's that can be a topic. They did it to Lane Kiffin? Well, yeah, but he was punchable back then. Now he's my favorite coach. Hey, uh, last call to you, Derek. All right, my last call is just going to be baseball as a whole. We got Nebraska baseball starting up this weekend. They're heading down to good old Waco, Texas, right there next to Justin, to play some baseball. I, this is my favorite time of year, boys. Uh, you know I love my baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball, they're getting ready to start their minor leagues up. 
or not minor leagues, uh, spring training up, I'm sorry. And there's been a couple rules changes, and I don't know how I feel about them. But a pitcher, a relief pitcher, will now have to face a minimum of three batters or at least finish the inning, depending on which happens first. This is the one I didn't really care for the most. Position players are prohibited from pitching through through the ninth inning unless you're either up or down by six runs or more. I, I enjoy it when they pull the first baseman off, throw him into pitcher. It's always fun. Uh, I don't understand that rule. They've also proposed a new playoff expansion that I do not like at all. It's going to add two more wild cards per league. Uh, there'll be seven, 14 teams in the playoff. The number one seed will get a bye, and the top th- next, the next top three seeds get to choose who they want to play on a selection show because Major League Baseball thinks they need to play March Madness, apparently. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like much of any of the rules changes, but I'm just happy baseball's coming back. All right. What I will say that there's a lot there, Derek. I will say that I will be at Baylor Friday and Sunday for the games. I will watch. Uh, I will watch Will Bolt's opening game as head coach at Nebraska. Sweet. And you know, don't, don't forget. I think uh, Baylor has what thirteen guys suspended for hazing for uh, the series here, right? Is that- uh, I don't know if it's for the series. They have fourteen guys suspended, but it's over a three week period, so they won't all be suspended for this series, but there will be a number of them suspended for that series. Well, let's let's hope for a sweep there. Uh, as far as baseball goes, the proposed playoff changes, man, I hate it. You know what? If you want to fix the playoff. All you need to do is make that wild card game the best of three series. Bam. You just fixed the damn playoff. You don't need all There's that. There's nothing wrong with the playoff. I, I, I'm I, okay with what you're saying, too. But at the end of the day, there was nothing wrong with the playoff. Really, I don't think there's much wrong with baseball other than maybe speeding it up just a little bit. I know that's what they're trying to do, but you're yeah. just going about it the wrong way. Yeah, That and cut it down to 120-game season. Tyler. Okay, so, lot, again, a lot there to react to. But I just want to get to the the rule change on the uh, the uh, relief pitchers. I think this is a huge change to baseball. There, the 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 value of a good relief pitcher goes up dramatically because if you can't do this whole one and done batter thing, it, it changes the game a lot. And I I don't know if I love it or hate it, but it is a huge difference to baseball right now. Um, what, what I will say on the postseason expansion, a lot there, a lot of things I could talk about. We could do a whole segment on this, but I hate, think it's ridiculous that they're trying to copy NCAA, March, uh, NBA All-Star. Like, like just, it was good. It was, postseason baseball was good. Like, you don't need to change it. If you Again, if you wanted to add a three-game series, do it, fine with it, but it was good. All right, last call to me, and my last call is going out to Nebraska Hoops. They lost 72-70 on the road to against Maryland last night. They were 18-point underdogs, and they had a chance to win it in the final seconds. Controversial call right there where the Maryland guy got the rebound was but was out of bounds with the, like three seconds left. Wasn't called, but you know what? They were competitive, surprisingly, and had a chance to win it. 
Maryland was uh, what ranked 10, 9, 9 10. Outstanding showing by uh, Hoiberg and the crew. Derek, what are your thoughts? I can't figure this team out. You know, they come in, they play Maryland like, hey, we belong here. For half of for half the game, the first half they looked looked just terrible. As a matter of fact, I had even texted you guys saying, "Has this team given up completely at halftime?" Because they look like garbage. And in the second half, they came in, they shot better, they they looked better, they looked like they actually wanted to be there. Uh, the game before that, they just the whole game looked like they didn't want to be there. I I can't figure these guys out. I. Screw March Madness. I'm ready for baseball. <laughs> Tyler. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were very high on the hire. I'm not ready to completely jump off the ship yet, but I will tell you this is the worst Nebraska ball season that I can remember in a long time. It, it is it's pretty depressing what this team is doing, the, the ups and downs that they do. Um, and, and again, I, I guess I have nothing else to say except this is probably the the worst Nebraska season I can remember in probably the last decade. Um, it's bad. Well, I tell you what, we need Nebraska Nebraska baseball team to come through. Otherwise, men's athletics at Nebraska, this was the biggest piss poor show that we've ever seen. I, I will tell you, and that's what's sad because who the hell cares about Nebraska baseball? Oh, Derek, punch Ooh, him. Pick me. Punch pick him. me. I like him. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I'll be there opening there, weekend. There, there, there's the two. There is the two out there. There's a lot of people that care about Nebraska baseball. I tell you what. I promise you, I will show up uh, at Baylor this weekend. I'll take a picture. I bet over half the fans there will be Nebraska fans. This is college baseball in general. No one cares about college. There'll be like 25 people hey. in the stands. Hey, Nebraska, they 67% travel well. 67% of Waco. this podcast loves college baseball. <laughs> Shut up, Tyler. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuscast on Twitter, at Husker Cuscast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple's Podcasts, and Spotify. And BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, go Big Red, 